Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sequelizers. It's been a while, but we're back. It's season four, and we're ready to fix some bad movies. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, Mr. Alec Plowman. They do move in herds. Mr. Matthew Stockton. Alan. (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut reference. The dream velociraptor, Matthew Stockton. All all four people that got that. (laughs) Everyone's cringing at that one. You're welcome. And the fourth man, Mr. Tim Matum. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of deep cuts. (laughs) Oh, come on. That's a famous meme, at least. That's definitely a meme. It's also a 10-hour video on YouTube. (laughs) As you may have already guessed from that menagerie of bizarre references and excellent quotes. We're going to be fixing The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park, because that's the way that film title is constructed for some reason. What a, what a strange title it was for that <laughs> yeah. film. Let's start yeah. with fixing the title. Even, even at the age of eight, I can remember being <laughs> utterly baffled that that was uh, what they went with. Good Lord. It does, it does speak to a sort of an earlier period of Hollywood when... You know, now there's this slight trust in an audience that like, oh, you know, uh, an audience can go and see something like Avengers Endgame and we will trust them to have seen all the previous films and plug everything together. Whereas back then it was like, hey, we know Jurassic Park was the biggest film in the world for a while and uh, everybody's hankering for a sequel uh, and we've been promoting it and trailers and there's posters up everywhere. But we better put Jurassic Park in the title (laughs) Just in case they don't <laughs> quite get the idea. Is that not what's happening right now with Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious Fast and movie? Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, isn't it? Something like that. What I find especially weird about that is that it's named after an incredibly famous dinosaur book that has nothing to do with the film. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> like, this is because it's a 1960 version of the film. And as a kid, I was aware of the black and white one I'd seen on TV and thinking, oh, oh, no, wait, it's a good version. <laughs> then I went and see it and went, Oh, because <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, I have a weird memory of seeing the the black and white Lost World as a kid and having no idea what was going on. A lot of my early, like, bad film, not necessarily that's a bad film, but I, I mentioned watching Predator 2 when I was like eight and I was just like, what the fuck is happening? I had the same experience with the Lost World. It's just like all these tiny little dinosaurs just running around. <laughs> you mean lizards with things, sellotapes on them. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So weird. And then, yeah, Jurassic Park was the first one, obviously, was and is one of my absolute favorite films and like transformed me. I was three when, no, I, was, I think it was two when it came out, but I saw it later on on VHS and just like absolutely transformed me, probably into the movie fan that I am now. That was like one of the first things I yeah, really, yeah. truly loved. And for a lot of people, to be fair, I was nine and saw it in the cinema and that was the fucking perfect oh, age. Oh man. It was so good. I was I was massively into paleontology and stuff as a kid. I was I was that dinosaur kid in school. Me too. And yeah. I didn't get to see it on opening weekend because just reasons, I guess. Um, but everyone's surprised on Monday when there's like, oh man, I must have seen Jurassic Park. I said, no, not yet. What's Jurassic I Park? I can remember, um, so I was, I must have been over four or five when it came out, and I can remember my mum and dad wouldn't let me go to the cinema to see it because too intense. And rightly so. And I can remember so desperately wanting to see it that 
there was a school assembly and the teacher said, put up your hand if you've seen Jurassic Park. And I lied. Oh, yeah. Because I was so wow. like, like, and so I felt so much bullied guilt. bullied by the other film nerds. I felt so much <laughs> guilt afterwards. I think I might have gone and apologized to the teacher for lying. That I'd, seen. I'd read the uh, storybook that yeah, came out yeah. tied into it. And I was like, I thought that counted, but I realized I was wrong. I no, I get that, 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 what do they call it these days? Mof- no, uh, FOMO. FOMO. Fear of missing out. Very much as a kid, especially at that age, you were like, no, but I have to have seen this. I want to have seen this so badly. I want to be included. I've done something similar. Yeah. I've done it's, drugs, honest. It's funny because by the time uh, Jurassic World came around, so I'd seen the first one by this point, Jurassic, Jurassic World, The Lost World came around. Um, that was the first one I went to see in the cinema. So I was eight at that point. So I really liked this movie when it came out yeah i, I had lost that. world pajamas at the, age of, <laughs> at the age of eight i was i was well into this yeah but um yeah hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it when you, <laughs> when you come back and watch these as an adult i had i had my my pete postlethwaite costume and <laughs> <laughs> i shaved my head to be roland yes. trembo for halloween um no i, I think uh, i maintain this i've written in almost every review i've done for the for the sequels i personally believe a the Jurassic park is a great film that's not a controversial answer, opinion yeah, yeah. Um, it's also spielberg's most approachable film if you want to say oh steven mm. spielberg what do you watch you everyone should recommend that film yes schindler's list is a better film and he does a lot of other really really fantastic films but jurassic park is his most um commercially mainstream and marketable film but every sequel two three world and world two uh, so two three four five that was a collective sigh there um, <laughs> i genuinely hold them all in equal regard or, or disregard in this case in the fucking bin yeah i don't like any of them. I, I think it's i don't mind them because i'm getting more fucking dinosaurs and i'm okay with that but I can't I'm get not, on with the I'm fact not, being not, not good that's, enough. That's not enough for me anymore. I think as an adult, <laughs> if I if I was still seven or eight or whatever, if I was still a preteen, I'd be like, yeah, more dinosaurs, cool. Like Alex said, I'd still have the fucking pajamas and whatever. But as a twenty eight year old man, I cannot be dealing with. You now want boobies? It's, it's I just <laughs> surely, surely that's like 12 year old Jack. <laughs> no, no, that's 28 year old Jack. Yeah. Dinosaurs and boobies. Look, now Malcolm we're said that he was going around looking up the dinosaur skirts. When are we seeing this scene? <laughs> Di- dinosaurs were your gateway monster, and now you're on to harder monsters. <laughs> like, harder being the operative term. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So, we need to talk about fixing the lost world. And, uh,. Why it's so bad? So, why is the Lost World so bad? Because it, as we said, it follows an absolute all-time classic, nigh-on timeless, brilliant film in the first one. But the Lost World, not so much. So, firstly, I should say this is another one of these films where I don't think it's totally awful. There are no, some nah, films that we've covered true. on sequelizers where I get to them and I think, oh god, here we go. But this, in the same realm as your Alien Threes and your Predator Twos, is one that I don't totally hate. I could happily put this on, watch it, and get some enjoyment out of it. But I think the thing is, as Matt's alluded to here, the first Jurassic Park set some pretty lofty expectations, and every sequel that has been made has had major problems delivering on that. Uh, And I think that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I think that the wonder of Jurassic Park, and that film really was a wonder because in terms of the 
not just in terms of the story, but in terms of the visuals in particular, it had done things that you'd never seen on screen before. When you get to the they do move in herds bit, the famous bit with the Brachiosaurus, um, it's uh, that was at the time truly jaw-dropping. Every time you try and repeat that moment, it's going to be a law of diminishing returns, because especially by 1997, the world's moved on enough that within four years, we are more and more used to those kind of effects. We're in a world where you know we've we've had independence day at this point we've had um i think we're on the verge of getting men in black if it's not out already we're seeing all of these spectacular things more and more and it doesn't have the same impact so i think that's one of the problems that's a huge problem absolutely mm-hmm. i think it's interesting that Jurassic Park has actually i think if you go and rewatch it now or introduce it to you know kids nowadays it's kind of re- retained that sense of wonder because mm. it because it's right it's done so well and it's on that cusp where they're still using real life animatronics for parts of it. So everything has a weight that pure CGI doesn't have. And so I think, you know, and obviously it's hard to kind of go back and see a film new again. But to, to my mind, it's one of those things that actually the special effects don't seem to have aged and they they still have that impact because they were deployed so carefully because they weren't sure, you know, how much they can do with CGI. There was still that physical weight and 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 the skill of the animatronics and the puppetry involved. Even with the CGI, it was still, there was a lot of consultancy from the model makers, for example, mm. um, because they had started as um, go, motion, motion, yeah. go motion puppets. And then they effectively rebuilt those go motion puppets in the in the uh, engine that they were using, which I think is part of the reason why they maintain that sense of weight and that sense of physicality, because they were working from a physical reference point. Um, but yeah, I, I, it is it is a wonderful film to watch, but you can never really recapture that wonder because you're always going to be repeating that. Once you've seen dinosaurs, you've seen dinosaurs, and the first the first time you see. Like you said, they do move in herds or the um, welcome to Jurassic Park moment where you, it pans across and you see the Brachiosaurus kind of stood next to the, the trees and the lake and all that sort of stuff. Or you see the T-Rex eye come up against the glass. All the other ones just kind of reference those shots. And like, I mean, we, we were briefly talking about it before we started recording. You go to like Jurassic World. The big reveal with the music is the fucking theme park. It's like, look, we've got monorails and crowds. <laughs> Don't worry about the dinosaurs. Look, people. It's a functioning park for once. Look, mm. they have holograms here. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. Like that's they can't recapture that first time seeing dinosaurs, but they keep trying to do that moment over and over again and just failing. I think it's the reverse of Jaws, um, where with Jaws 2 we discussed in episode one oh. about how once you have teased the shark and then revealed the shark you can't put the shark back in the shark box you have to say start with the shark and go up from there and again with every dinosaur movie after this we have the prestige and the wonder of it but they've never understood about recapturing that but also you can't then just tease out the dinosaurs again we want to see the dinosaurs right from the get-go and they have to be good I think the other big problem, I completely agree with you, part of, you know, the the that wonder of Jurassic Park, you can just never recapture, so you have to go down a different route. Mm. But part of the other problem as well, is, and this is a problem for every Jurassic Park sequel, perhaps with the exception of Fallen Kingdom, which sort of does this, but badly. I think the <laughs> issue that you have, and Patrick H. Willems, a name that gets mentioned quite a lot on this uh, on sure. this 
show did a video about this a while ago where he was saying the issue is every time they have to go back to the island you stretch credibility a bit further especially in the first two sequels where it is the protagonists from the first film returning to jurassic park because in the first film they don't know why they're going there and that's part of it they kind of get tricked into going to jurassic park in the first place and in that same way those characters are the audience seeing the dinosaurs for the first time and then the second time you've got ian malcolm going back and being like oh there's another fucking dinosaur ian malcolm's seen a bunch of dinosaurs before so have we all the characters are exhausted with dinosaurs as we are they redeem themselves slightly with that one line of a uh, the rather iconic line from that film of the whole um it's all oohs and ahs and then it's running and screaming it's like yeah he has that sort of cynical yeah, they have to, duty thing they, it's almost a contrivance that they have to put that in oh, and yeah. i mean this is even more so in the third one they really have to bend things to get them back there in the first <laughs> to place kidnap alan grant <laughs> yeah. yeah essentially <laughs> they have to do that or they have to go oh it turns out your daughter's there without you knowing so now you've got to go or whatever it is mm. in that's not it in Lost World. His, no. his fiance, isn't it? Or his ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend, yeah. there yeah. we go, yes. has gone without you. Yeah. Without you, you know, and is in danger and now yep. you have to go. So there are, you kind of have to wrangle it to get the movie to start in the first place. And by the time you have to wrangle it to get them there, you're on pretty rocky foundations for a good story in the first place. Can I take a poll of who would go to Isla Nubar slash Isla Sauna, site A or site B? To save an ex-girlfriend. Anybody? Anybody? <sighs> any any picks? Because I fucking wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, if I've I'm, already I'm, fought a bunch of dinosaurs and they're like, oh yeah, your ex-girlfriend's there. You're like, mm. I think I think if I'd already been in a, dis- a, a dinosaur disaster, I would struggle. You would struggle to get me involved again. If someone said like, hey, you have to go to this dinosaur island to you know as as i currently am i'd be like yeah i'll go to a dinosaur island <laughs> um because i haven't been attacked if you've by already a seen people literally murdered in front of you by these things yeah do you want to go and save your ex-girlfriend i, I think i've got two mm. mindsets about it which is a bit of an interesting dichotomy here first of all you um, wish death upon all your ex-girlfriends anyway so i mean i don't i have what's called la podcast where i burn all the stuff that i owned <laughs> and even all the photos so i'm not good with exes i burn bridges but and feed them to rap. If I'd been through a PTSD, really traumatizing experience, I might not want that inflicted on anybody. So I might go in and save him. But however, we're not covering the fact that he's not kind of going in to save his ex. He's going in because she already went in herself and he thinks you're stupid. And it's good point, actually. Yeah, go, I hadn't thought of it that way. And Hammond just says, uh, I've put a new team together and she's gone on ahead. And say, like, Oh, well, I have to go get her then because she doesn't know what she's doing because she's a woman. And also, that's not necessarily entirely true of the film, but it's like, she doesn't understand because I've been through the shit. Now, I do understand that almost chivalrous mindset, except it's not. It's, it's sort of insulting arrogance of, no, you don't get it. It, and hence the oohs and ahs. I mean, that's slightly Ian Malcolm-esque. In, in, that's in, why, in that's why, yeah, that's why but, Goldblum kind of sells that. Because, but it, it yeah. just feels like you have to twist and turn to get them back oh, God, on the yeah. island to then repeat the beats of the first film until they're in San Francisco for a bit. Which is the whole point. That's of, the, San Diego. Is it San Diego? Yeah, Sorry, going back yeah. to the island is the key point here because it's not about, well, the, none of the sequels really are about going back to the island. It's how do you get the dinosaurs off the island? Mm. And it's with another society. thing Patrick Willems also brings yeah. up is <laughs> exactly. a terrible fucking idea. Yeah, and it's it's I know why you'd want to do it. Um, but the execution never seems to take the logical leap and just arrive there. 
it always has to be a transition that we have to see for some reason you, until Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom where they're like okay prologue and then now we're off yeah like, okay you even get the thing of I mentioned the, the Pteranodons flying off at the end of three just oh yeah nothing happens nope. they're just they're just off having a nice life mm-hmm. eating seagulls and shit <laughs> the other thing is this is also a big deal in the book so at the beginning of Jurassic Park which is excellent I would really recommend mm. reading the Michael Crichton novel oh, it's, great. it's yeah. very different to the film but mm. it's a joy in its own right um that begins with an investigation in Costa Rica because there have been all of these strange deaths. What's that, kind of what the Lost World's yeah. opening is, isn't it? Yes. Girl getting mutilated. And then the end of the book is uh, them telling Alan Grant, oh yeah, they're on the mainland now. And yeah. that's where it that's where it ends. Mm. Um, and then they don't do anything with that in the second book, which is... It's a weird well, book, to be I fair. But that, that, was, that was written post... Jurassic Park film. Well, film the, yeah. the second book was written because they knew they were going to make a sequel. So they said to Michael Crichton, we need you to write a sequel. He's in a big problem with that because, of course, they want to do the sequel with Ian Malcolm, who he kills off at the end of the yeah. first Jurassic Park <laughs> book. So he has to retcon that at the beginning of The Lost World. And yeah, he merges him. continuities and weird shit it's, that just makes no sense. It's, it's, it's a corner he's written himself into, but <laughs> not really. As I'm trying again, he hasn't written himself into a corner. He's just found himself pushed into a corner by an enormous blockbuster of a fucking yeah. film. <laughs> by a big pile of money. Yeah, <laughs> that is one big pile that of money. Worse, Ways to be wedged into a corner. Crichton's money corner. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from all the plot uh, contrivances, contrivances mm. and acrobatics that have to be done. Oh, acrobatics! Oh. <laughs> like, I like the like, like a gymnast. Yeah, <laughs> with, a, um, with an, an, an appropriate bar. Yes, of some kind that Who gets cut be... from the team. Fucking hell! Um, so yes, even even after all of those gymnastics. Um, <laughs> That I mean, it's still it's still a film with a lot of problems, oh, yeah. um, which it, it it seems strange to have Steven Spielberg's name attached to something that has so many issues with it. Oh, like, Ready Player One, <laughs> <laughs> perfect movie, no problems, Canon. Next, um, yeah, stuff stuff that I had completely forgotten about, like the fact that um, Hammond's nephew, who sort of the the main corporate bad guy whose name I, I cannot remember what it Peter. is. Peter. Mm. Um switches basically in every scene and sometimes mid-scene between being uh, a fun drunk who has come on dinosaur safari <laughs> by mistake and a cutthroat lawyer who is extremely good at business. Yeah, he's running around bumbling, like literally just dinosaur stuff happening in the background. And then he's like, right, I'm going to make a crazy theme park and pitch it. And like yeah. having yeah. a fucking board meeting in the middle of nowhere, like it, out of nowhere. He has the most inconsistent characterization like I've he ever dips seen. He into Scottishness in every now and again as well. Really. Oh, really? There's a sort of like almost like lilt of it. And in the same way, like, oh, Hammond is Scottish. I assume he'd have like some lingering in the same way that matthew good in watchman was supposed to be german around his friends in america in front of other people as ozymandias and everyone went that's an interesting <laughs> choice <laughs> and so i think when he gets excited he goes into a oh hello yeah. and it just sounds very awkward yeah. <laughs> but it's not a good character but then it puts point in point of this film there are lots of really not good characters i love peter stormare but he plays the most ridiculous fucking oh, villain yeah. i can't remember that in dietrich is it or something like that yeah. just literally go i'm gonna tase this thing's fucking face why just feel like it it's like you're and you think in the thing is jurassic park part of the strength of that movie really is its characters oh, it's very character for all of the spectacle of it it's a very character driven film and i think that 
Firstly, one of the problems in The Lost World is that there are a lot of them. Because you have a team that they bring yeah. in, there's a whole bunch of forgettables. Um, and then you've got your kind of core unit of um, Goldblum and, yeah. And, Julianne Moore, Vince, yeah, Vaughan, Vince Vaughan, the other guy. Richard yeah. Schiff. Richard Schiff, yeah. Yeah, but because you've then got two teams, you've got all of that to deal with, whereas your Jurassic Park revolves around a core team of about five or six people who we get to know and like. Mm. And I think that it's just a question of having too many characters means that you're not going to have enough to do with any of them. Well, it's the sequel escalation mindset. It's the fact that it's like we have to have more blood, more gore, more violence. And the way to do that is to have more red shirts to kill off. Mm. And yeah. the problem was, well, it's always a problem with these things. You don't have time to establish who these people are or to give a shit about any of them. So when they die, we're like, oh no, there's a fucking snake getting into that paleontologist with the beard oh, oh he's walked out <laughs> the waterfall oh t-rex got him which which one was he again oh fucking oh, oh, like old bob or dave or whatever he was Burke? sure um <laughs> one of the things that struck me about this about the fact that they bring on all of these this you know this this other team this in-gen team of of hunters uh, and we get that sequence of like oh look at them you know herding all the dinosaurs and you know mistreating them and stuff like that reminded me of the fact that the star wars prequels went back and uh established all the stormtroopers as clones so we didn't have to feel bad about them getting shot and it's like so now you have this bunch of people who you don't care if uh if they get mauled by the dinosaurs so we can kill them off and you feel good about it and it's like but I'd rather feel some kind of emotional connection than just kind of going, ha ha, you got it. Also, also yeah. why are they doing that when it's such an important cargo? There's also yeah. that thing of why do why, why do we we're like we're going to bring in the world's the world's best people for this job and it's like who just also happen to be the animal cruelty lot it's yeah. like what's yeah. the, what a happy coincidence it's, it's that they're they're sort of cliche bad guy sort of situation where a they're terrible to fucking animals so that the audience will hate them or they're rapists and because it's like a PG 13 12 sort of film can't really on the last one but it's, I think it's just uh, straight PG isn't it oh uh, so it's PG yeah. no, you're right yeah. it's the one of these weird things like PG. PG as well it's like severed arm now would not get like in the same like yeah. you know like Star Wars is a U for some reason because they've never updated the the, right. the BBFC classifications so it's weird because again the audience the Stegosaurus scene is the wonder scene and then we have the huge herding, which is like tons of dinosaurs and the jeeps. Are, and I must admit, there is a momentary sort of swelling of of excitement and and just coolness personified when you see that the bikes racing between the the, the legs of the brachiosaurus. Yeah, yeah. It's cool, but it's also kind of rushed, and then also kind of gone because then mm. as much as it starts, you get the Parasaurolophus pulled to the pulled to the floor, and you're like, oh, now it's over. And then you get Vince Vaughn being all sad and having his Greenpeace message. I think, again, the thing with The Lost World is it's not terrible, but as you said, it has good moments that it then seems to squander yeah. or doesn't seem to sort of follow through with. It's entirely watchable, I think, as a mm. film. It's just that there are these inconsistencies in character that take you out of the moment and things that you probably could have got away with if it was a lesser film, but because it followed Jurassic oh, Park, I know, I know. which yeah. is just such a tight movie for all of that stuff. I think it falls apart. Mm. The the sequence with the the trailers going off the cliff. Um, I must admit, on this rewatch, I was like, I've seen this several times. It's good, but but you know, it's not. But I, when I see, saw it in the cinema as a kid, I can remember being that was the tensest thing oh, I'd yeah. seen in my life up to that point. But also watching it this time, I was like, 
it could have been anything like there's nothing dinosaur related no. in this part it could have been anything that you know it could have been an earthquake that forced the thing off the, the cliff there's nothing actually dinosaur specific to that part it's um, very much a set piece it's, it's a set piece that yeah, you know clearly someone in. has come up with some you know stunt coordinator or something and someone's gone oh yeah that's that that'll make a good sequence and it's just been dropped into the film <laughs> That's basically my problem with all of the action sequences. They feel that they've been written independently from everything else. And it's just like, here's a set piece. That'll do. What are we doing next? Uh, we need some dialogue. And then 10 minutes later, another set piece. Like, come up with another set piece. Like, insert that in. It's just copy and paste bollocks that doesn't actually... Like, the, the gymnastic thing <laughs> is just in there for cheesiness because the daughter needs something to do. Otherwise, she's just another damsel in distress kind of thing. These action sequences don't actually tie together, don't actually bring the plot together, don't make the characters do anything interesting or aren't even related to the fucking dinosaurs sometimes. Mm. It's just random things that happen to happen on this island. There's also that um, sense of them trying very literally to up the ante. Oh, absolutely, Especially where yes, they're like, yes. you had one T-Rex last time, now you've got two. And yeah. a fucking baby! baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, and it is that literally, where do we go from there to make it, bigger and it's that thing of you go with having a really strong story that's that's where you go from there and that's the thing what they didn't unfortunately which of course leads to the ending which i must admit at a time as a kid i thought more story yay and then realized i don't understand any of this how did how did the thing get around the boat and kill everyone i don't understand <laughs> yeah. so the boat crashes and everyone's already dead yeah and yet the t-rex is still in the because it gets out of its cage, but it's still in the cargo area bit. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't get up to the bridge. There's like, like a hand <laughs> loose that and the, they fit in the door. How did the T-Rex get in the door? And then it runs around San Diego. And that bit's kind of, again, we, we want to see that. It's, like, a, it's a preview oh, of Godzilla 98 is what that yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my God, he's punching a bus. He's so confused. <laughs> he's not punched. They have little, tiny little arms. I can't punch a face bus. Face punch. Um, head bus, if you will. There we go. There's the word. Well... Dinosaurs are very different London, creatures. Um, he nuts a bus. There we go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so um, the point is that, and then it gets like, and now he's or she, sorry, back on the boat. Everything's fine. And then we have a little bit of John Hammond saying, "It's okay. I think we need to leave him alone." It's like, no, we need to nuke everything. <laughs> Cue Ripley. Yeah, it's such a it's such a naff ending of just like, yeah. oh, we've just got to get it back in a box, and it will eat the guy who deserves to be eaten. Um, <laughs> And and the, the the stuff in San Diego feels so disconnected to the rest of the film. Yeah, um, it it feels like the, the the film should have either been they get on land really quickly and that is the story, or it shouldn't have bothered to do that bit in this film. Mm, it should yes. have been the story of let's, totally let's, film. let's stop them getting the dinosaurs off the island because we know they'll wreak havoc. Like it, it should have picked one. Yeah, definitely one story to do especially because in the opening with the compsognathesis and the whole like the, the kid arriving on the island mm. if that had been just them on a, a, a yacht on any island and it happened to have dinosaurs accidentally start that go from there would be great but no but hang on this sounds like we're fixing it almost oh. if only there was a way to fix this oh. movie what a what a slick little segue there matthew yeah you're welcome what a thought what a thought what if we could fix this somehow what if we could eyes it Sequelize. Oh. <laughs> so as you may have guessed, listeners, there's going to be a slightly different format for this season since there's four of us now. And we're basically going to try and fix various bits, have a bit of a discussion between all of us. The uh, three esteemed colleagues of mine have gathered together, 
separated off and fixed various parts of this film. And we're going to try and bring you something that congeals into a better film than the original one, eventually. Hopefully. Mm, we're going to attack you from not the front, but from the side. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> with the... You know, yeah. you know what that was, listeners. Yeah, visual well, You reference. know what the is. Welcome to the long grass. Oh, not into the long grass! <laughs> I feel bad for RJ. He had no character. Yeah. But he was, I'm pretty sure he was Tembo's slave. <laughs> oh my god. They were sort Possibly of friends, you but not really. Wow. I mean, he literally has an old game hunter looking the way he did. Yeah. I'm like, he definitely yeah. stole this man. <laughs> like, the T-Rex as a child is basically what he did to RJ at one point. No, I, I like to think they're lovers. Oh, oh I like Why that. not both? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, the thing Some weird... Oh, sorry, guys, this is actually our pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Jurassic pork. There's there's no dinosaurs, there's just a beautiful relationship. Just a lot of love making. Oh, dear. So, Mr. Plowman. Hello. I'm going to come to you first. Oh, blimey. What, what would you like to fix about the Lost World colon Jurassic Park? Um, I would like to fix the uh, the colon story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we did the colon story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because um, it wrong basically, <laughs> and uh, I think that um, with with some uh, dramatic overhauling rather than tweaking, I think we could um, I think we could do something different. So, firstly, I think we should um, just scrap the cast as they exist, go for a whole new cast. Because the big problem, as we've identified, is that if you have the uh, cast. some cast returning from the first film there's a degree of implausibility there so let's go with a whole new cast whole new story and actually move it forward and do something a bit different with jurassic park so i guess we start with a prologue where after the original jurassic park incident we see the cleanup team on isla nublar because that seems like a thing they should do seems like after that event that they might be some repercussions that they might need to sort out that there's an island full of dinosaurs and return the remains to people's loved ones and shit like that it's the new alcatraz and that's that's also a good place to drop in the whole they don't need the lysine thing you know they're surviving by themselves kind of stuff yeah yeah so that so in this scene, they'd be taking down the signs and euthanizing the dinosaurs, which I think is kind of a sad way to start, but it's quite a visually impacting thing to to see. That, that um, is very much like breaking the awe and wonder of the yeah. first film. Like, oh my God, look at all these dinosaurs. It just begins with them mercilessly I mean, killing literally them the, the Brachiosaurus in Fallen Kingdom going, yeah. that's fucking so sad. Then, so then from What was that, that happy? Sorry. Shut your face. <laughs> Beautiful sound, Matt. Thank you for sharing. Shut your face! Um, so then from that, we would go and see a uh, pack of raptors that had stowed away on one of the boats leaving to the mainland. Because they're raptors and they're smart like that, innit? So then away we go to Costa Rica 18 months later, where American scientist lady, that is the uh, official official name of the character, oh, yeah. um, All caps. is researching the aftermath of the original Jurassic Park incident at a massive new state-of-the-art research facility while trying to rebuild a relationship with her preteen son after the death of her husband slash his father, because why not? Meanwhile, a spate of unusual murders is rousing suspicion. Oh. Wild animals are blamed, but a local detective teams up with American scientist lady suspecting something weird is going down. So we've got local detective and American science lady. Yeah. Two <laughs> Fucking <so> aliens! <laughs> and it turns out that something weird is going down, and that weird is raptors. What? They're here, they've been breeding, <laughs> and now there's loads of them. The raptors lay siege to the high-tech research facility in which American scientist lady is based, and the facility is placed on lockdown. They've been going at it like raptors. Yeah, they've yeah. been... 
you know. Is that a thing? I, 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 mean, can, I can only hope. They do have a um, clutch of eggs, don't they? So they could be multiple. Yeah. True. Yeah. A, but rap, raptor sex is violent, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> so Alec is very certain of that <laughs> yeah. fact. This is I'm sure right. of violent. It. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure because I've drawn it. Alec, <laughs> Alec speaks with the certainty of a man who spent a lot of time googling it. <laughs> having um, having spent um several uh several months in a velociraptor suit at the torture garden in london <laughs> i can tell you that shit was that peter, Bob, peter Bothelthwaite oh, <laughs> was a regular visitor um he, he, he dead now <laughs> he <should be> <laughs> um, so anyway our three protagonists along with some can of fodder security guards and scientists need to survive the ordeal they do and mother and son rebuild their relationship in the process now in the we film yeah, well, that in a nutshell, that's what it would be. But we would throw in a couple of um, subplots in there to make it a bit more interesting. So I like the idea of having the company that bought InGen, who I'm assuming went bankrupt after the first Jurassic Park fiasco. Also, I don't really want Hammond to be implicated in this further because I feel like he learned his lesson in the first one. So let's take him out of it. Sure. Um, uh, are secretly funding this research project and using the material recovered from Isla Nublar to attempt to create more dinosaurs. And this would allow the introduction of more dinosaurs and possibly weird genetic mutation dinosaurs as the film progresses, once the raptors have disabled security to holding pens or something, so that it isn't just a raptor fest. And then you can introduce the idea that the company was aware of the raptor incident all along and locked down the facility to destroy the evidence, which kind of adds to their villainy. Also, uh, I quite like the idea that we could borrow something from Jurassic Park 3 here, which is the idea that Alan. the raptors... Yes. <laughs> Dream raptors. Um, the idea that the raptors siege the facility because of distress calls from other raptors contained within or because there's eggs in the facility or something, which then gives them a reason to be drawn to this site rather than just because random So the hyper-intelligent, it's like the no scene with Caesar in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and you get... Alan, <laughs> the only word the raptors yeah, can say. Talking, <gasps> oh my god! Talking raptors, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But I think by doing that, you're changing up the location. It feels a bit less like we have to bring characters to this place with contrivances to make a dinosaur movie happen, and it gives us something a bit more horror, but not too horror. Yeah. Horror within the realms of a PG-13 movie that just does something a bit different. And I feel like it does some of the things that Fallen Kingdom should have done, yes. which is the first Jurassic Park sequel that kind of tries to take the idea forward a bit. Because so more sci-fi with the cloning and all that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, obviously, format change. We've had discussions a bit briefly about this idea, and we wanted to keep them quite... Um, sort of tangential and very, very in the nebulous stage. So they're not refined at all, this whole point. So it also means that you, the dear listener, get to be involved in the conversation that's a really exciting part of us saying like, oh, hang on, what about this, that, and the other? So I actually had a question. So obviously the raptor is the star here. And to be fair, that's true of the film in general. But obviously, the two, are we not going to show any other than euthanized dinosaurs, any other different types at all? Oh, no, I thought... I thought the idea that they've been using the research facility to collect material means that they've also been either oh, capturing or cloning more dinosaurs. I think, yeah, if you just had raptors, I always have it would become... Yeah. yeah, but I like the idea of more of a raptor focus because oh, yeah. they're by far the best villain from the first film. True. Uh, bringing back the T-Rex feels a bit redundant almost after you've had raptors in the kitchen, so I'd really like to amp up no, the I raptor action. And they do the T-Rex the thing in literally every film ever. Yeah. And it's the same T-Rex because it's got the scar. Yeah, it's the same T-Rex. 
Is this that T-Rex the hero or the monster? Who knows? It's a bit of both. Yay, T-Rex. I like the focus on raptors. Raptors yeah. are way more interesting. And the, the, the limitation with the T-Rex and the thing that you can do with raptors is because this is we're going for a bit more of a of a horror feeling here and we're mm. we're you know we're trapping them in the facility and having this attack on it you can do that kind of corridor as as we took as alec talked about with his uh dino crisis pitch if you go back and yeah. listen to our video game special you can do that kind of claustrophobic horror yeah. with raptors because they're about the size of people you can't do that with a t-rex if you like it's very hard to have a t-rex sneak up on someone well, it can't magically kill a ship full of people yes. in different rooms i think i think you'd have to be careful how you pitch it because at the end of the day you want to go a bit horror but not too horror it's going to be the right level of intensity that it's still a family aliens film. but tamer well i was i oh, mean yeah, i, I think thinking. aliens is aliens is pretty close to being tame anyway uh, yeah, I think it's just pitching it right so that you um, so that you don't go too far over the edge. And having the family unit in there at the core, the idea of mum and son rebuilding their relationship and then substitute dad comes in, makes it a bit more... I think by, always, by keeping that family unit at the core, you've got a sort of, you know, that family dynamic that makes it a bit more palatable to younger audiences because oh, yeah. they can visualize themselves in it and also they will survive obviously and are you know happily reconciled at the end of that um i don't know whether you know um uh spo spoilers uh matt is going to be talking about director but yeah. um you know thinking about this being in the spielberg oeuvre, um obviously the family focus the focus on you know relationship between parent and, and child and also it it's almost got that kind of uh war of the worlds type you know everything's going to shit and this family unit is trying to stick together and get out of there it yeah grounds it down, yeah. Mm. yeah and i i think war of the worlds did that quite well and i think mm. there's no reason you couldn't pull from that to mm. make that work in a in this context mm. um so does anybody have any other story suggestions we want to make? Or no, I like we... this. I think it very much covers up our primary changes. We want to get it off the island as fast as possible, sort of change up, not necessarily the genre, but make it a bit more focused, give the audience what they think they want as well as what they actually need and want, um, make the family centric focus, make it relatable, make it very entertaining for arguably the family demographic, that four-quadrant release. <laughs> um, but also giving us an actual story that isn't about a theme park and experiencing it for the first time it the things being experienced for the first time is the public experiencing it for the first time i think as always we have a few potential things we can need to skirt around and avoid to make it not be alien versus predator requiem yeah. but i think we would quite easily do that because it's a much better fucking story to start with anyway but yeah i, th I think we're in a good place so yeah. i think changing of setting is key the, yes. like we talked about this already is that you cannot go back to that fucking island how do you convince people to go back to the island you don't yeah you change the setting you take the dinosaurs off and you do something different and i think having that kind of not sure a smaller scale but that more kind of closed off it's i assume it's kind of basically just in that facility and yeah kind of and like, I, I imagine it would have to be a fairly large facility because oh, yeah, you yeah. want to have dinosaurs in it but um but at the same time it's it's small enough that it's not an entire island and you don't have massive wide open spaces where you're going to have to, you know, uh, yeah. So I, I generally a bit more claustrophobic and just I, sometimes I think something as simple as an environment change that changes the dynamics of how the thing behaves entirely just gives you new story possibilities that make it feel a bit more fresh and vibrant.
And even with the bigger kind of dinosaurs, having them in cramped spaces can make them even more intimidating. Like there's nowhere to go. You can't, if you're running down a corridor and not necessarily a T-Rex, like we said, we don't want to kind of recycle that thing, but a big, even if it's a herbivore just running away, well, there's nowhere to go. You're stuck in animals like a corridor in a building. Whatever, One of like, the things that terrifies us on a relatable yeah. level, as silly as it sounds, is a fucking bird getting in your house <laughs> and <laughs> your shit is in trouble. You're like, oh, fuck, a bird's in the house and you start freaking out. But there's something great then about an action sequence where the predator is, um, or the, the character, the the foe isn't a predator. Yes. So the oh, idea yeah. that, yeah. as you said, it's a stegosaurus trapped in a tight space that yep. is yeah. completely losing it, that is then something you have to deal with that creates a very different kind of action dynamic to yeah. their fighting. Well, so. it's it's very unpredictable. Again, a trapped animal is unpredictable and adds an element of, dare I say, chaos. Oh. Oh. <laughs> just anyway. like that little trickle of water on the back of your hand. It's just an excuse to rub Lordan's hand. It really is, isn't it? Mm. We've all we've we all know touches about it. her hair very weirdly. We know your game, Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> we've all we've all tried to rub Lordan's hand. Well, she's not into Alan Grant because she gets married to someone else. So a fucking senator or something. A centaur? <laughs> <laughs> that is our new story! <laughs> His half-man, half-raptor Ellie centaur. Sattler leaves the island and goes and decides that men are not worth anything anymore, so she helps, uh, with the help of um, Hammond, creates a w- new man who is half-man. And marry centaurs. And Ellie, Ellie, Ellie Sadler enters the third tournament of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Defeats Shao Kahn and yeah. marries Mortar. <laughs> Is she Sonya Blade this whole time? We just didn't realize. Oh, that'd be sweet. A young Laura Dern and Sonya Blade. Want to change my pitch? Want to change? <laughs> We've done it now. Well, hang on. No, if anyone's a Mortal Kombat character, it's clearly the teenager who does gymnastics that kill a raptor. That's shame. Or just the raptor. Oh. <laughs> She's just spinning around. Finish him. Yeah. <laughs> Kicks him out the window onto a pike. Yeah. Thankfully. Onto the surely like the spine of a stegosaurus or something, or an yeah. allosaurus yeah. just waiting by the window, Uppercut just a stampeding yeah. pachycephalosaurus just nuts him out of the way. So I appreciate the the change of setting and stuff. I think that's a necessary change. And in yeah, your role already... as producer for the studio, the, the mouth of the studio, the fucking fetid enemy, if you will, you fucking hello, crim. Um, wonder where you, <laughs> wonder where you were going there. Like. Would you authorize us and greenlight us to go to the next stage and possibly cast this movie? Uh, no. Well, that's the end of the show, everybody. We'll see you next <laughs> week. <laughs> yes, yes, Good. I absolutely would. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, over to you, Tim. Um, yeah. So I, I, I kind of uh, took the story that Alec um, had had helped develop his ideas and um, looked at casting. Um, and I think I think that there are some decent actors obviously in uh lost world vince vaughn will never be an action hero despite how hard he tries or you could yeah. say never gonna be an actor for a <laughs> i kind I of mean arguments could be made yes i will, um, I will never recognize vince vaughn as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> just too Bra- tall brawl and subot 99 that's all i want to say <laughs> he's good enough um yeah but uh, i think um i think julianne moore gets a little bit of a short end of a stick she doesn't get a lot to do beyond be panicked and make a lot of stupid decisions around dinosaurs mm-hmm. um and uh you know i think we could could we could conceivably have sort of pulled that casting over um and had her be american lady scientist oh i like um, it okay but um i actually I, I went a little bit older because i'm not sure if she 
I'm not sure if Julianne Moore back because we're, we're sort of pitching for the same time period. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if she'd have worked as mum of a teenager or sort of tweet tween in that. Yeah, she's a little, little bit young. Um, so the the name that I threw out was uh, Rene Russo, um, who okay. I think would work well in that role. Um, you know, around that time, she's kind of in Thomas Crown Affair and stuff like that. Um, Lethal Weapon. She's about to be in Lethal Weapon 4. Mm, yep. Um, so, you know, she's got a little bit of box office clout and I think she'd do, you know, interesting things in 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 that and be able to pull off the intelligence um, and a bit of a kind of a, 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 a steel core that you would need to deal with raptor invasion. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Costa Rican detective... Um, I went with Benicio del Toro, who um, I think is is always good value for money. Um, again, you know he's done just usual usual, usual suspects would uh, would have been just mm. before this. Um, so you know he's got decent profile, and you know I think you do want we're setting it in Costa Rica. You want some representation of you know you don't want it to just be like oh there happens to be a white american mm. uh, police officer down here mm. um you know we mentioned that there would be some sort of red shirt characters um and i i like the idea of having antonio banderas who is a fairly big star at this point this would be about the time of mask of zorro yeah i think it's uh, a year after but he's done yeah. desperado and stuff yeah um, so you know kind of made a splash doing a bunch of Almodovar stuff that then got an american release exactly um i like the idea of having him either be like the police chief or perhaps even the head of security at the facility and killing him off fairly early um oh. because he would probably be the biggest name on the cast and killing him off is a nice shock factor and a, and, yeah. a, and a twist um and it's it's a good way to demonstrate stakes i think um and stick it to shrek 2 fans and stick it to shrek 2 fans yeah um free, free him up for that essential uh <laughs> yeah, that pivotal role, <laughs> that pivotal role. Yeah. um uh I assume that uh, what you're saying here is that Antonio Banderas' character is going to be a CGI cat. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the CGI. What's the problem? I, I I wasn't aware that he was not a CGI cat. <laughs> right. Okay. Just just to let you know, he he's straight up a human. That, oh, okay. That, that is. I mean, that does. Do we know that for sure? That does yeah. change how I can see. But I I think it could work with a human. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The uh the the American scientist's son, um. There's obviously a lot of kid actors um, available at any given point and, you know, of varying quality. Uh, but I thought we would pick up someone who is a very good actor um, and uh, <laughs> who was who was working around this time. And in fact, was about this time cast as young Hercules uh, in yeah. Young Hercules. So uh, Brando. <laughs> Unfortunately, not Brandon. Uh, Ryan Gosling, yeah. uh, who had already mm. done his years as a Mickey Mouse Club member, okay, um, and had started mostly in TV stuff at this point, um, but was uh, a few years, you know, had done some TV movies and stuff like that, and you know, can I make a a, a controversial comment at this point? Go for it. If you were considering alternative child actors, and mm -hmm. I think that I think that Gosling is a fine choice. Don't know where this Would is going. Would you consider no. LaBeouf? No. 
Mm. Given that it's him at that point, he's not too young at that point. I think he'd be too. I think he'd be too young. How old? How old is he at that point? Have I got my timelines wrong here? <laughs> no, he's definitely older than me. I like that angle. So if we're thinking ninety-seven, he'd be eleven. He'd be eleven. So I, mean, I would have said, uh, what about Jake Gyllenhaal? As an alternative, I mean, I'm not saying that Gosling needs to be replaced, yeah, but I think I mean, that kind he, of age is a little older. Yeah, had he He's started not dark at that by point? That point? We can he, make him start. We can we can draft him in early to the acting game. Yeah, McCulkin. How, how drugged up is McCulkin. McCulkin? Yeah. He's done getting even with dad and then Richie Rich, so I think he's he's gone now. Okay, yeah. we've lost we've lost Culkin at we've this lost point. It. That yeah. Richie Culkin. Rich was the cliff edge, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Gosling's a solid choice, and you're going to get a good performance out of him. I think. Yeah. I think we also need we need some of that. I, I agree that we don't want to bring back anyone who has been on the island before, but I think we need that Goldblum energy. That uh, I would describe it as twitchy yet sexual. <laughs> Um, nice or perhaps sexual yet twitchy you mean Um, the last train home (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I was thinking as a for a second scientist uh, in the facility perhaps killed off who knows maybe he'll survive to the end uh, James Spader ooh Um, like a Stargate 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 yeah yeah. with those fantastic curtains those those, that luscious luscious curtains I'm big on Spader at that time yeah Um, and uh, and then finally for our kind of in gen or whatever the second version, the twin gen. twin gen uh, uh, CEO or, or boss for the facility. Uh, I really like the idea of bringing uh, Sam Waterston, mm-hmm. who at this point would be right in the middle of his tenure on Law and Order, uh, playing kind of like this incredibly uh, honest, forthright lawyer. Uh, and have him be someone who seems incredibly like dedicated to the idea of you know oh no we've got to nurture these creatures and you know very uh, respectable mm-hmm. and honest and then just halfway through having him turn out and just be like oh no I'm just here for the profit and I'm in fact I'm an evil motherfucker. So you're playing with the audience expectation of what he would be. It's exactly. the Henry Fonda in um well not exactly Henry Fonda in, in Once Upon a Time in the West but yeah it's like I know this guy he's gonna play this role oh no yeah oh no he's not this role anymore yeah, yeah. because I, I that's one of the things that I watching rewatching Lost World the scene where um Richard Attenborough uh, convinces um, Jeff Goldblum to go back to the island, or doesn't really convince. Tells him that uh, his girlfriend is already there. Yeah, he straight up says no, and he's like, "By the way, your ex girlfriend says." Like- yeah, and I and it and I can't decide whether they're playing that as, oh, you know, here's John Hammond. He's a he's a slightly forgetful but lovable old man, or here's John Hammond. He's a Machiavellian genius who is manipulating Ian Malcolm into going where he wants mm. to go. Mm. That is a possibility. I, I see it as Mafia Don. He's very yeah. much, he knows what he's I, fucking um, doing. But he's Chris Kringle. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, motherfucker. Yeah. He's Tim Allen as the Santa Claus. You tell me a Don hasn't said he's spared no expense at one point. That's a, that's a total <laughs> yeah. Mafia Don move right there. Um, yeah, so I, I like play up that idea of, you know, oh, he's a cuddly old grandpa type figure who's secretly evil. Um, Do you mean kind of like half the characters in The Boys from Brazil? Where it's like, yeah. oh, that's just my granddad. He's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. I don't think I've ever seen Sam Waterston in anything ever. He's a nice old guy. Uh, yeah. He's um, got great eyebrows. He's not. He, has he, got great, he has got great I know what he looks like. Mm. He also sounds like a cowboy. In a, but a lawyer cowboy. <laughs> to quote so you, so you don't want Sam Elliott in there instead. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, no, Sam Elliott's too, too gruff. It's these two Sa- cowboys. Sam Watson is genuinely uh, one of one of 
America's granddads. He could easily also be like Martin Sheen if he was less aggressive. Less <laughs> <laughs> aggressive Martin um, Sheen. But Alan Alder at times, but not as cynical mm. and comical. And he's a kind of just nice old guy. He's probably uh, exact. If you if you have a spectrum between Sheen and Alder, he's yeah. right in the middle. <laughs> If you say you know those are the actors, I'll be very sad. That's a, that's a good place to be, ladies and gentlemen. It's <laughs> a good place to be. I like old Tony Flags, as I call him. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. <laughs> <laughs> Banderas means flags in Spanish. T-Flags. T-Flags. That's his rap name. <laughs> Dangling T-Flags. <laughs> He's laying down the sweet, sweet Amaldova beats. I like Antonio Banderas in that role. I think, it, it again, it's kind of playing with audience expectation, having him coming off being a huge star and then just fucking murdering him with a uppercut onto an Aliosaurus or whatever. <laughs> More compound style. <laughs> like, I very much see it as like a, a Samuel L. Jackson in uh, Deep Blue Sea oh, Death. Deep- I, can, uh, I, can, I can picture him like racking a shotgun and just being like, I'm going to get us out of here. And then a raptor just comes out yeah. of the darkness or, and chops his head off. Or indeed Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park Death. Yes. <laughs> cool, so we've got a plot. We're going to cast. Mm. I like both so far. Cool. Matthew Stockton. <laughs> I oh don't God. like this evil, <laughs> appropriately mustache twirling giggle that you have that's going a, on. That's a promising start. Isn't oh, it? yeah. If, if, if the listeners don't know, Matt has a devil beard, basically. Yeah, that's true. He's an evil man who's come up with evil plans. Damn right. For the Lost World Curl on Jurassic Park. So. Hit me, Matthew. Let me tell you who's going to helm this motherfucker. Uh oh. Because we're not having Spielberg back. Not so Spielberg. Sorry. Okay, no. okay, okay. Old. He wouldn't Wolf- go back in the water for Jaws 2. He shouldn't have gone back to the island for Jurassic Park, to be fair. <laughs> um, Spielberg and sequels. He just, I mean, Spielberg has a thing where he doesn't end films especially well. It's like, and then it's over. Like War of the Worlds, for example. Great film, right until the last fucking minute. I would say that um, he did a couple of okay Indiana Jones sequels. That Those are sequels he did well. See, that's one's a prequel. One of a prequel, yeah. <laughs> he does one good sequel. <laughs> okay, I, and I then, wish yeah, that's a good Some other things yeah. happen. But you're, you're entirely there's, right. There's a degree of pedantry in that <laughs> statement. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're entirely correct. Yeah, that's, that's true. Because um, Temple of Doom is a sequel in the set, a prequel in the sense that the date at the beginning says it happened the year before um, Raiders. And I'm if sorry, you didn't sir. Pay attention to that number. There's literally no way you would know. But unless you're George Lucas, yeah. No, oh, yeah. I so other than the uh, indie films, he he doesn't usually return to privilege anything, arguably. Of all the Indiana Jones films, except the Indiana Jones films. Um, so we're not coming back. We think also fresh eyes and also a fresh take, and also something a bit more. I know he's got his start literally with the sort of horror esque film with Jaws, but he Jurassic Park is about wonder. It's about majesty. It's about something bigger. So we're going to make this a much more tense film. So I actually had five initial Jesus. names in my head. Of course you did. I had five names in my head and I literally threw out the worst one at these guys and ran with it for a long time. So the one I threw out to them and everyone, basically the group just said, Matt, we all feel it's Joe Dante. And the logic being, oh, he's a guy close to Spielberg. He worked on a lot of things. He'd obviously gremlins. He'd gone to do small soldiers and things. And I said, no, no, it shouldn't be. Joe Dante's a boring choice. Boo. Boo you, sir. Boo. He's going to make fucking Looney Tunes with Brendan Fraser. We can't be trusted. And, <laughs> um, and so I uh, said, no, let me let me tell about another film. Are you are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> no, they're not. I honestly don't think they are. So I was thinking to myself, speaking as we have quite a few, we actually teased it 
inadvertently in this episode by referencing Mortal Kombat so very much. So you may be familiar with his later works. Ignore those. The in Resident the Evil franchise. Yeah. Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> yeah. Pompeii. Mortal Death Kombat. Race. But Death Race 3. Yeah. Immediately, I was thinking to myself, I love the specifically Adrian Biddle's cinematography work on Event Horizon. I think that's a really nice, dark... I like Event Horizon. And it Horizon. holds really okay, well yeah, as, yeah. A, as, a, as a sort of creepy um, film. Paul W.S. Anderson. Paul W.S. Anderson. Anderson. Matt Stogden went, who's going to fix Jurassic <laughs> Park 2? Matt, Matt Stogden. The first thing that came into your head was Paul W.S. Anderson, a man with the track record for making some of the worst sequels, some of the worst spin-offs, some of the worst everything. One of the most reviled figures in the sequelizers canon. You went with Paul W.S. Anderson. Anderson. That's a flipping disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to take away your film critic card. <laughs> no. oh. Because I am correct. But also, um, there were other <laughs> <No>. options. <laughs> Justify you your need, you need terrible to, okay. let's, let's hear, let's hear yeah. other, other ideas. Again, we're, we're we'll... tainted by contemporary releases. At the time, Paul W. Sanderson, yes, okay, Mortal Kombat. Was coming off yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> The next Mortal film he made Kombat was called Soldier. Soldier. Yes. Soldier. Okay. Rubbish. <laughs> no. Soldier's an interesting sequel no, it's to not. Blade Runner. Can I just. <laughs> It's literally in a facility where little things run around in a building and a big thing at the end. That's literally what we just described. <laughs> That's also Willy Wonka at the Chocolate Factory, motherfucker. <laughs> Well, look how well Anderson pulled that off in Alien versus Predator. <laughs> what you're essentially saying here is we've seen him take a very similar premise and completely tank it. Therefore, fucked up. He a is the brilliant idea. Therefore, yeah. he is the man for the job. <laughs> Correct. Anyway, not the point. So uh, that was one of my suggestions that I told these guys. But no, the suggestion I actually did want to go with was Stephen Summers. Mm. Now let me throw okay. Stephen Summers at you. Stephen Summers, because um, again, tell them something terrible. So anything that comes afterwards <laughs> sounds like gold. <laughs> no, Paul W. Sanderson, I still maintain, would have been fine. I'm keeping Adrian Biddle definitely as a cinematographer. But at this point, uh, Stephen Summers has done, and again, don't think about the later films. Uh, he's done The Jungle Book, the live action one, which is, eh, it's fine. Sam Neill was in it though. Um, he did Deep Rising with Thank The guy was specifically not casting in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, Sam Neill was in it. It's not just <laughs> Sam Neill in the jungle. What do you on want? The, on the strength of the Jungle Book and the Omen 3, we're going with. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So, Stephen Summers there, but most importantly, he's come off Deep Rising or you know, that sort of time, and he goes on to do The Mummy. And The Mummy is a kind of key thing here because yeah, that is the okay. right tone of sure. dark, but also. Yeah, uh, what else does he do, Matthew? Silly. We're not All going to the other Scorpion things. King films. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Stephen Summers didn't. Not, he may be a producer, he didn't direct them. He did Van Helsing and he did like uh, G.I. Joe and yeah, other things. Okay. He did, the, the terrible things. But at the time, returned. he's done some grounded 90s stuff. He hasn't been given like a runaway budget with like fucking G.I. Joe. But the point is, I think Summers is an interesting choice because again, he, with, uh, again, if you haven't seen Deep Rising, it's a hard one to do, but with Treat Williams and Pam Kansen, it is again uh, about sort of like Leviathan-esque things on a boat, but it's... Summers, I think, is a better choice. And I, I think the thing that we've got to remember with this is that we are going in with the story is locked in. 
Oh yeah, yeah. So he's not going to change anything. That's so it becomes more directorial than story point entirely. I I certainly prefer Summers to Paul W S Anderson. <laughs> Hang on, um, can anything be said for Paul W S Anderson? <laughs> now hear me out. Resident Evil, same thing. Carol. The, the W S stands for what can be said. <laughs> I, somebody said to me the other day, "Is like Paul W S Anderson, like on like seems like a guy who would be great to meet in person. It'd be a guy who you would enjoy having a beer with and chatting to him about films because he seems to like films. But the problem is that he he's also a war like, criminal. He also likes to make films, and when he does, they end up being the films that he makes. So as long as you never had to mention any of that, he's probably a. That's fair." Yeah. Um, no, as wow. I say, I, I think again, it's the whole. The problem is again, look at the prism of the '90s and specifically the fact that, um, again, if you even look at Jurassic, the Jurassic Park films, I mean, Joe Johnson, yeah, okay, he's he's known at the time and he's done a lot of things and he did like the Rocketeer and things and he, he's an established director. Then you've got Colin fucking Trevorrow, mm-hmm. who again, indie background and just Spielberg kind of just liked him. And then you've got. Uh, again I, I love The Orphanage it's a fantastic film I think he was very much thro- and, and Monster Calls is another really interesting middle ground film for yeah, you, like yeah. the budget wise it was a, an actual nice progression unlike Trank onto from Chronicle to Fantastic Four he doesn't go to like immediately like give that man hundreds of millions of there dollars more there was a more. weird trend wasn't there like yeah. you've done one indie film now let's give you a massive yeah, budget you need mid- fit, mid- I, will, yeah. I will say I also think that Joe Johnson wouldn't be a terrible pick for a well-scripted Jurassic Park Yeah, I think he would be capable, certainly. But I don't know if he'd be able to convey the horror stuff that we'd need him to. Okay, yeah, That that would be my my initial thought. I like like Stephen Summers. Um, It might just be by comparison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and Um, again, my plan went perfectly. The bar very, very low. If I start saying like, okay, we got darkness, now we need the Van Helsing director, Stephen (laughs) Summers, and everyone goes, fuck off. Um, No, I think, yeah, Summers I think is going to be a good show. Again, literally... If only on the back of something like The Mummy, which again, pushing, he's he's good with the VFX. He's good with, again, a good core group of characters who are fun, relatable, and shocking and things like that, as well as um, something that is a, for lack of a better phrasing, a really good entertaining time. Mm. And I think, you know, we're we're keeping kind of Spielberg on as a, as a certainly as a producer. I mean, he produced uh, Transformers you, films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, you know, the there's nothing. Hand. There's nothing wrong with a guiding hand on, uh, and certainly might steer uh, at least Summers away from some of his excesses uh, that that plague his later films. Yeah, I think it's fair. So Stephen Summers is your yes. Stephen Summers is the actual the yes. The okay. But if he's not available, <laughs> I mean, if he breaks a leg or if he literally has a bit of toothache, then yeah, we should get Paul W. Anderson on board. Um, uh, Stephen Summers, I don't know much. I don't like Van Helsing. I thought Mummy was fine. He wrote and produced the Scorpion King, which is garbage. Fair, fair. But he's not writing this. No, no, that's true. You got Alec Plowman to do that instead. True. Hello. He's better than Stephen Summers. That's also in most ways. Yeah, I'm better than Stephen Summers, and I swing my willy a lot more than old Willie swinging Anderson. <laughs> what the <does that laughs> really <laughs> I really don't know. So we've got Paul W. No, Stephen Summers <laughs> directing. We've got a cast including Rene Russo, Ryan Gosling, Antonio Banderas, James Spader. Uh, I'm liking this. And then changing the setting, facility full of raptors, occasional other dinosaurs, 
not replaying the same fucking T-Rex thing all over again. I like it. Yeah. Good idea. Well done, gentlemen. Well fixed. Thank you. Well sequelized. Sequelizers. To the cave. I feel like I'm Charlie to my angels. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I guess we should throw this out to the uh audience at this point. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is how we did it. How would you guys have done it? Uh which of these changes did you like? Which of these changes didn't you like? Are you going? Would you have let him rip write the film as well? Are you going are you going to try and defend the actions of the Willy Slinger? (laughs) (laughs) If so, let us know. Um, I thought you said wedding singer. Self, <laughs> self, <laughs> self-addressed stamped envelope to sequelizers. Care of Matt's house. Yay! Um, no, I guess yeah. I'd be up. curious to what people are going to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hit us up on the socials. We are what's our what's our Twitter handle, Jack? Sequelizers. Fun oh, enough. nice. There you go. <laughs> was that like a cunning segue, or did you literally forget? <laughs> no, that was meant to be a cunning segue. Fuck like it. Yeah. It was sold very well. It was good what, acting. What's our, what's our show called again, Jack? No, I'd be I'd be curious to hear because Lost World, uh, Jurassic Park in general, a lot of people have um, without being rude to uh, anybody else other than ourselves. There's a lot of arrogance of oh yeah, it's easier to fix you. Just do this it's um it's actually quite difficult and also again trying to helm a good team who can bring this thing to life properly um maybe by neptune you know orbiting neptune and and having a whole haunted ship um would be a direction to take it dinosaurs in space it's not been done that's all i'm saying anyway so i would be curious to hear what people are gonna what would offer as alternatives because mm. you could do like either Frankenstein hybridized what we've already done here. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Instead of Rene Russo, who might we not have considered? Or alternatively... Could we, could we cast Paul W.S. Anderson? <laughs> he as, as American Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Um, or know. alternatively, if people just actually tweak bits of us, so, you know, have them... Yeah, pitch, so, or, yeah. or perhaps there are people out there who are willing to um, fund this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Spielberg. Senor Spielberg. It's Mexican non-union equivalent. I was, Excellent. I was going to say, die on the hill that lo- uh, the lost world is good. Oh, um, no. there's also defend, defend, defend it. Uh, yeah, do it. But every time we have fixed a bad film, some there have been multiple work. people. Either in the comments on SoundCloud, on YouTube, Twitter, whatever it was. Come at me, bro. Yeah. 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 Come and defend that pile of garbage. We'll get a thing from Pete Paul, Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> this one we should say was fine. This yeah, isn't one I, of the I, worst I'm, offenders on this. Again, My joke was Paul W.S. Anderson. All of them are, are okay films, but they're not good enough. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I keep it this way. If someone say to me, Matt, we're watching Jurassic Park, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. I love Jurassic Park. Someone says, Matt, watching Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic Park 3, or Lost World. I'm like, eh, I mean... I'm all right, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. I'm watching Jurassic I've got, Park as I've well. Got my, I've got my W.S. Anderson box set. I'll yeah. just go home, I'm thanks. just going to just loop all the Resident, Resident Evil films. Resident Evil Afterlife, innit? Oh. If you have any suggestions, any different ideas to my esteemed colleagues here, you can tweet at us. We are Sequelizers on Twitter. We're also Sequelizers on Facebook, Sequelizers on Instagram. Email address is sequelizers at gmail.com. Of course, you're spelling it with no A's and no Z's because we're British and it's a pun. Get with <laughs> get with the times. Mm. No B's. Exactly. Exactly. No B's. <laughs> <laughs> I like how long you went with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Bequalizers. <laughs> Good lord. If we want to have a go at you specifically, Matthew. Fuck it. Yeah. For Paul W.S. Anderson love, how yeah, can they reach you on it. the Twitter? Yeah, I'll happily fall on that grenade. Um, you can find me online pretty much anywhere. 
anywhere you look, like a bat signal, um, you can just find me under Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z on Instagram and Twitter and all those things. And uh, I will fight you. You'll say, see you in hell. <laughs> I'll fucking see you in hell and I'll <laughs> fight you at the gates of Satan's door. Pugilist, motherfucker. Speaking of pugilists, Alec, where can they follow you on the interwebs? Uh, uh, Alec underscore Plowman on Twitter. That's P-L-O-W-M-A-N. Uh, yeah, not like can, the sandwich. Not like the sandwich. Oh, um, intolerant cheese doesn't doesn't do well with me. And, and, and bread. bread, in fact. So yeah, <laughs> yeah just can't yeah. eat can't eat any of that. Can you eat the pickle bit? Um, yeah, I can. So long as it's not been touching the other bits. Alex, on this week on Alex Weird Diet, um, yeah. just the pickle bit. Can you eat pulled up Hugh Anderson? Uh, I could try. Um, if he hasn't touched any bread recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. So if you want to, if you want to know my thoughts on Jurassic World, or, or my, follow your food blog, or my just, gluten-free just the, lifestyle, your gluten-free then, food um, blog, just the pickle bit. Yeah. Did you mean the Lost World or just all of them? <laughs> yeah. Then uh, yeah, Alec, Alec underscore Plowman on Twitter. Timothy Maidham, how about you? Uh, I am trivia underscore lad, just like the sandwich. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On on Twitter and and, uh, Tumblr and other places. Um, Yeah, you know, feel free to to come and demand opinions on various things. I'm usually just spouting nonsense about the X-Men on Twitter, Um, but uh, yes, I'm happy to take feedback on the fact that I don't know. Ryan Gosling wasn't nearly cute enough to be eaten by a dinosaur or something. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow me, JLW Chambers, on pretty much all the social media stuff. Of course, you can subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places where you can find podcasts. If you want to download it directly, for whatever reason, people still do that. To have you a personal got, copy. You, you don't gotta, don't trust the media that's all digital. Get your own copy. Just ask Burn me, it to a ask, CD. Ask us nicely. Also, also people traveling like offline and stuff. That seems entirely reasonable. You can, most to me. podcast apps allow you to download the thing. Yes. So I'm I'm with, I, I listen to all you. my podcasts on vinyl because it's just such a richer sound. <laughs> it is. You can hear us <laughs> that, uh, burn three, those low quality that, that, MP3s yeah, onto that, a vinyl. Ninety-six mono. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> I like Linny in real close as it starts going I like I like turning it over after 25 minutes and needing <laughs> to run across two records for one episode. Oh god, yeah, we'd be yeah, a couple of discs. Um yeah, and the oh, other thing we should mention at this point is if you like what we're doing, folks, and if you want to uh if you want to see us doing some more, uh give us some fucking money. <laughs> As, as Bob Geldof. If you, if, you bump a, if you bump into us in the streets of Norwich, that would be great. Oh, no, you can yeah, fucking leave me well alone, mate. Survivor. That'd be lovely. We are on Patreon. Oh, right. Sorry, that's what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got our Patreon set up finally. Four seasons in, we are ready for your cash, ladies and gentlemen. Standing by, so throw some dollars. The phone's not ringing yet, so I assume it's just... Because the episode hasn't gone out yet. But Correct, yeah. 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 Also, that's not we how got, Patreon we, we works. Got, got, the phones are off the hook. <laughs> We've got Paul W.S. Anderson manning the phones. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't give us any money, we will release him and let him direct more films. <laughs> <laughs> that's patreon.com slash sequelizers if you want to give us some cash. Of course, that the link is also in the description, in our Twitter bio, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, if you, whatever your uh, podcast app of choice 
uh, feel free to to rate and review us as well. That always helps us uh, find new new people yeah, and um, spread the word. Yeah, that really makes a huge difference to the show. So on a on a semi serious note, if you could do that, that would be awesome. Uh, share us on your social medias as well. Just try and spread the word about all about the, the algorithms, people. Yeah. Yeah. Spread the word yeah. about them sequelizer boys. Mm. That sounds like we're going to be like kidnapping people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sequelizer yeah. boys, I'm loose again. <laughs> and, and when the lama asks you, tell him it was Jack Chambers and the sequelizer <laughs> boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.